Pulp MX Network production. Pulp MX fans, we're 550 plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at btosports.com and click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mathis Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Uh, BTOsports.com. Use the code PulpMX to uh, save yourself some money when you're checking out on a fantastic site of BTOsports.com. Brand new mobile phone site and uh, proud sponsors of the uh, BTO Sports KTM team with Brayton and Andrew Short. And of course, Fox Racing, foxhead.com. Brand new products online now, 2015 stuff there. Ryan Dungey, Kenny Roxon, just some of the guys wearing Fox Racing. Foxhead.com presenting this podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Steve Mathis. With me, a guy on the line that uh, very, very busy, hard to pin down, but I'm glad we got him for a little bit of bench racing. Bunch of topics. I'm happy to have him. The RacerX Online editor in chief, my boss, my real boss, Davey Coombs. What's up, DC? I have one question for you. Uh, <laughs> okay. Did, did you read all those sponsors off like a 95 CR80 Fender? Because that's, that's a lot of sponsors when you lead into this show. Yeah, no, it's all in my head by this point. I used to have it on my phone. You're, but, you're yeah. like Wyndham. You're like Wyndham. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Hey, uh, thanks for doing this. I know you're busy, and uh, uh, but I'm pumped that you wanted to do it, to do it so that's good. Um, well, I appreciate it. And, and all, all kidding aside, I'm, I'm a fan of uh, any kind of bench racing, especially now I'm back in Morgantown, West Virginia. I can't wait. For Anaheim, my whole life is about January 3rd. Can't wait. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, oh, hey, uh, one of these I did a little while ago that you helped me uh, do was uh, Brad Lackey. You got me the phone number for Bad Brad, and uh, he was a great guest on this thing, and what an interesting guy. Um, could have stayed home in America and captured titles and probably made more money, and he went to Europe when it was hard work to go to Europe, and uh, you know, I just got back from 12 days, and I had the internet, and my uh, iPad to watch uh, hockey games, and I, I mean, Brad, Bad Brad did not have that, but uh, thanks for setting that up for me. What a guy. Uh, no worries. I, I'm a big fan of Brad Lackey's. You know, when I, when I was very, very little, I was a Husqvarna fan. I loved Heike Mikola, and I used to call him Heike Mikola, but now I know his name was Egei Mikola, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so Lackey was, you know, it was when he went to Europe and, you know, first in 73, and then you know, when Mikola won in 74 and he was over there as the, the lone American in the 500 class, it was it was pretty cool to run out to the mailbox and wait for cycle news and scan the in the wind and mm-hmm. the back pages and, and see how he did. And, and uh, you know, I was lucky enough when, you know, I got into journalism that, that he was still around. His, his racing career was over. But mm-hmm. uh, he he's one of those guys that is such a great bench racer such a fun guy to talk to yeah uh he, he's up there with like mike bell uh you know just in marty smith he just remembers like all the little details and loves to talk about mm-hmm. it and, and and feels like he was truly you know one of those folks who got to, to to live a dream that 
that you know in a, in a world that's like you said it's much different now he went over there there was a cold war yeah you know yeah. now if you can't find the right you know charger for your iphone versus your ipad it's it's a meltdown yeah no, exactly he had <laughs> he had 15 year olds with machine guns at border crossings you know yeah. um uh, Mike Bell, that's actually another guy. I should call him up and do one of these. Uh, I didn't. That's another name. But yeah, you know, you do some of these things. I don't. And I don't. You, you mean you know, you know all these guys and you bench with all these guys and a guy like Damon Bradshaw, who who is a great guy and one of my heroes growing up. I do these things with him every once in a while, either uh, on written down or or these podcasts. And and Damon's Damon doesn't have a great memory or doesn't care to to care to go down that road all that much or doesn't really know all the stuff that he did and the things behind it. He was just kind of in the moment. And so you don't get, well, I, I, you know. Yeah. Well, remember, Damon, you know, Mike Bell grew up in a motocross racing family. His you know, family had a Honda dealership out in Long Beach or whatever. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was, that was a lot of fun back then. Uh, I think that Brad Lackey had that, that wonderful global adventure and that 10-year right. crusade and, and is forever known as, you know, the first American um, but with Damon, I think he came along at a, at a slightly different time. Ironically, 25 years ago, mm-hmm. and the sport was just getting like that real high pressure young amateur thing going. You know, Loretta Lynn's had hit stride, 125 Supercross. There was, you know, there was a great expectation, and I don't think that Damon had the best time yeah. uh, as, a, as a young uh, superstar. And, and I mean, you know, this is a guy. I'll give you. All of the trivia bonus points I have on me, if you could tell me what number he wore when he won the Osaka Supercross in oh, 1988. It was uh, 868, wasn't he? Not close. Oh. <laughs> it was 638. Ah, oh. oh, 638. Uh, I know that because I was just researching it. Right. Um, but uh, I think it was just a different a different time for Damon. And, and uh, you know, unlike when, you know, back in the 70s when, when Lackey and Bell were around, I don't think that you were in that that bubble that you were yeah. in, in the early '90s, let alone now. And I, I think we're seeing some of that on on some of our guys today, who, who you know, have uh, I think you know a plausible case of burnout. It, it, <laughs> right. It's a it's a tough gig now. It's it's a twenty four seven you know three sixty five deal. Yeah, yeah, and uh, a guy like Lackey, yeah, you can tell he's just enjoying the stories and he remembers everything and he's he's telling you his incredible life and you're like oh wow this guy's really got it down and damon's like eh, i did this i did that but like you said different times different amounts of pressure different memories of these of these events yeah and, and, and i think Steve, i think that goes for any sport I, I think that you know we you hear the guys on slapshot talking about you know eddie shore old-time hockey you know mm-hmm. i'm sure the nhl has its has its uh high pressure cases and you see kids get burned out and mm-hmm. you see sort of the difference that, that, that we have kids specialized now. You know, my son's 12 years old, and, and he plays a couple different sports, but in order to excel at, you know, anything, you know, there, there's this pressure from the coaches to yeah. get into a soccer camp, you know, focus on basketball. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm mixed that he doesn't race dirt bikes, but he can if he wants to, but mm-hmm. I'm okay if he does. It, right. It's it's okay. Just as long as he uh, rides and enjoys being around it, uh he can do whatever the heck he wants. Um, we had this uh, conference call, or maybe it was a chain email. Uh, we were doing something on RacerX Online. It was 40 years of Supercross, and we were trying to. We were first going to rank them according by year, which was the best and most exciting. And 
that was, you know, kind of sub judgmental and subjective. And we decided to scrap that. And we were going to just do year by year from the beginning of Supercross until, you know, the present day. And uh, we were all assigned different years, I believe, and different eras. And, and uh, at that time, and Davey, you've just taken it over. You're just like, screw it. I'm going to do it all. I, I just, you guys just don't bother because you're, you look like you're having a good time doing this. Uh, well, I, I am, but I honestly didn't know that we, we had assignments. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wygant told me, hey, you're going to have to do like three or four years, and we're all going to have to do, you know, three or four years. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Well, I, I, think, I'm, I think I just wanted to get it to uh, – <laughs> I mean, I love those early years, and I, I remember it intimately. You know, my mm-hmm. dad, you know, a lot of people don't realize he actually promoted a couple Supercross races. Uh, he knew Mike Goodwin. He knew Mickey Thompson. Uh, he was around when – when the guy who really got the thing going really created what we now know as AMA Supercross, it was Alan Becker. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. in Houston, um, Gary Becker's father. And uh, Alan was the one who did the Astrodome race in Texas Stadium, and uh, he was the one who, who, who realized that, that you know there was opportunity to expand this thing. Obviously, Goodwin had the first stadium motocross and, and, and should be credited as the, the godfather of supercross or mm-hmm. the, the architect of modern supercross. But they've been racing bikes and stadiums long before that. And, and Mr. Becker uh, had races in the Astrodome several years before uh, oh, okay. the 72 LA Coliseum. And, and you can go back to, to Prague and Moscow and, you know, these places mm-hmm. that had victory day races. And even I think the orange bowl in Miami had a, had a race with uh around a, a baseball field with uh, wooden jumps. I mean, it's, it's, uh, oh, okay. it was good yeah. one who, who, who gave it the razzle dazzle, the rock and roll, but it was Becker who built a series in 74 and, and Goodwin wouldn't actually participate at first. His, his race was, uh, part of the interam series. So, uh, I remember all that. Yeah. Yeah. You're I grew up it. in it and around it. And, <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah. um, did, did, yeah, and you've been reading through the cycle news and and uh, and 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 doing a great job of chronicling, chronicling this this series. Uh, I think we're up to eighty eight or eighty nine now. Um, one thing I didn't realize, and I knew that there was you know, promoter infighting, and I knew that there was a separate AMA series one year, and there was an in sport and all that, and I knew some some kind of the background details. But um, every year it seems like you're writing that there's just promoter infighting. Um, and a lot of it back then, like more than I even knew and different lawsuits and everything. It was really uh, a wild time for the sport. I didn't realize it got that bad behind the scenes. Well, I, I think that, that, that any sport has growing pains, any, any, uh, sport, especially that, that, uh, you know, has as much potential as Supercross did back then. But, you know, it was, again, the world was a much different place. We mm-hmm. didn't, you know, have big, uh, the, the reach that we have now, the promoters were regional in scope. You know, Mr. France in Florida, Bill West doing, uh, you know, the, the, the races like St. Pete and Tampa and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Miami and Atlanta. And uh, Paul Schlegel did the Pontiac Silverdome. And, and then out west you had, you had you know, Mike Goodwin kind of had a, uh, I don't want to say a monopoly on it, but, but I mean, he invented it. He, he, he was there first and, um, but he started, uh, at the same time, Mickey Thompson, who was famous, uh, in, in racing circles, he broke land speed records. He raced off-road trucks. 
he he founded the SCORE organization mm-hmm. uh, to manage off-road racing back in 73, 74. Um, he had an office in, in Anaheim Stadium, and that, that's what it was called back then. It wasn't right. Angel Stadium yet. And he would look out, you know, over that dirt and, and, and see crowds that were bigger for the Anaheim Supercross than you would see when the, the L.A. Rams were playing there. Right. And uh, he, he I, I think that, that he wanted to get in on the action, but, you know, maybe not take it over, but, you know, maybe share the dirt, share the, the you know, we have three Anaheims now because it lowers the scales of cost. Mm-hmm. You're going to sell enough tickets, but you don't have to do as much, you know, in and out with the dirt and yeah. all the assets and all yeah. all that stuff. Well, the same idea was sort of fostered, you know, in the early 80s with, um, you know, we'll leave the dirt there and we'll let, you know, Goodwin have it for his, for his off-road race. And then we'll let SRO, uh, which was another company mm-hmm. run by a guy named Tony Vaccaro, we'll <laughs> let them have it for their monster trucks. Yeah. And then we'll, 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 that way we'll, we'll split it. And that's how Goodwin and, and, and uh, Mickey Thompson got to be doing business, business together. together. Yeah. And as, as, Anyone who's a Supercross fan or a fan of crime and punishment and 48 <laughs> hours and all that stuff yeah. probably recalls it, it, it ended badly because yeah. um, they got their lines crossed and it got ugly in a hurry. And I don't know that there's enough room on Mount Rushmore for, for the ego of, of Mike Goodwin or the ambition of, uh, of Goodwin and, and Thompson, you know, they were just the wrong two people to be working together. Now and, you, and, uh, you would have been pretty young, but did you ever meet Goodwin at the, I did uh, I at did. his height, and, you know, uh, when he I, was Mike Goodwin. <laughs> True story. And anyone who was there will remember this. I, uh, and I'm, I'm not saying this cause I raced in it, but I was lucky enough to race in the 85 Rodeo cup mm-hmm. in that 125 East West deal. Yep. And, uh, I had seen Goodwin before, uh, in various races, but I never really met him or talked to him. And, and, and my dad was, you know, out there to, you know, talk about, uh, you know, by that time, yeah. my dad was not promoting Supercross because it just, it wasn't right for us. We're, we're a small family business. And back then we were just my mom and dad, yeah. you know, I was, I was in college and trying to race. And anyway, um, so we're sitting on the starting line for the first of our three motos yeah. and, uh, but they're doing the, the opening ceremonies and they're they're building it up to this big crescendo, and you know, you're, I'm thinking, oh my God, they're gonna, the blimp is gonna land, and you know, right. L.A. Rams cheerleaders are gonna come out, and O.J. Simpson's gonna jump a suitcase, or you know, right. whatever. And and here they got all that ready, and then here come this off-road buggy down the peristyle, and didn't even jump; it just kind of rolled down, <laughs> rolled around the track, and Larry Huffman was yelling and talking and everything, right. and uh, it pulled up on the last jump. And uh, outstep Mike Goodwin in a full racing fire suit. So the, and the, I realized the, sitting there that, that he was his own opening ceremony. Right, right. He was bringing himself out. <laughs> it would be it would be the equivalent of you know. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, there is no equivalent. Yeah. It, 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 it was truly. It'd be like Tim Ritchie being the opening ceremony at Red Bull. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bring out Tim Ritchie in a fireball. <laughs> um, uh, wow. Yeah. That's kind of funny. Um, uh, and then at one point in your, in your, in your thing, in your, in your chronicles, the AMA and the manufacturers are suing each other and it's just a mess. Yeah, like, yeah that was, God. that was, that was a, a, a very widespread thing. And I, I remember that because, and, and here's why I didn't let you write that part, Steve. 
or why well, I would have just wrote about yeah the racing. I don't know any of that stuff. Right. <laughs> no. no, it's because I'm staring at my father's filing cabinet, uh-huh. which is which is uh, four giant file cabinets. Uh, my mom kept every press release, every meetings note, every um, little thing okay. uh, yeah. from advisory boards and promoters meetings and this and that and and. I haven't even tapped into it, but I, I from time to time, I'll, I'll just go through because mm-hmm. I, I truly believe that, you know, history is bound to repeat itself. And it seems like every 10 years we come to a point where there's some kind of, you know, mm-hmm. antagonism between, you know, either this series or that series or the AMA and a promoter or the OEMs. And, yeah, yeah. you know, that was, it, it was, was really bad in the early 80s. And it, it manifested from the factories getting together and, saying, hey, you know what, we're we're just not going to do this silly trans-USA series anymore. Yeah. Because they knew by 81, 82 that Supercross, which kept growing and growing and growing, it was taking up all their budget, and, and it was doing good for their budget. And and they, they liked it better than, than trans-USA. You know, and this is not the trans-AMAs that yeah, we it's grew different. up with. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The Europeans were gone. It was just sort of a another outdoor series and when they when they all passed on it the ama sued for collusion um they sued for collusion and and you know antitrust and and uh it led Jeez. to non-ama races in sport all these different things and 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 generally you know <laughs> almost ran everything into the ground yeah uh but then right when they got that sorted out you know and and they sorted out by by sort of compromising on a few things, like mm-hmm. you know, the OEMs didn't want to do factory bikes anymore. It was too expensive. Um, it was too. Uh, uh, it was cost prohibitive to have a team. If you were Honda, of you know, three, four, five, six guys, and they all have to ride you know half a million dollar motorcycles, mm-hmm. uh, or they're not going to be competitive against the other guy next to him in the box van. And, um, you know, they, they, they decided to go with the production rule as, as part of the piece that, that came from that, that antitrust suit. Uh, but I, I, I think that, you know, we're still living with that today. You know, that was 1986. Yep. I believe that every production bike in the world got better as a result. And I know, and I'm one of those people, I, I miss the works bikes. I know a lot of people wish the works bikes were back, but it, it seems like every bike on the starting gate has some pretty cool technology to it so yeah no um, it, it's getting pretty trick out there no doubt about it Let it's getting strokes, really yeah. trick out there i i agree and, mm-hmm. and and it's it's uh whether that you know ultimately is better or worse for the you know the rank and file amateur mm-hmm. that can't afford to work on his bike i i, I don't know the answer to that i they don't break down as much as they did, but when they do, it, it's it's a doozy. Um, your mom and dad they they put on RFK in '83, or no, 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 oh. they put on uh, Three Rivers. Oh, I thought Pittsburgh. it was RFK. Yeah. Too. Okay, um, yeah, it was, it was Pittsburgh, and they also did Pittsburgh in '78. And I, I don't did it work? Again, or? I, yeah, uh, both times it was a push. Okay, uh, in '78 it rained and rained and rained. Uh, in '83 the racing was good. But then it rained afterwards, and getting the dirt out, all of the profit that they may have made went down the drain of into the <laughs> you know, yeah. three rivers, and and we were there for eight or nine days. I mean, it, it yeah. became like turn the lights on, get the shovels, get the brooms, 
along with the track crew because there wasn't a dirt works like there is now. I mean, you did it yourself right. and maybe got John Savitsky or someone to, to help build the track. And Were you flagging? Uh, Were you flagging? Oh, I, I was in, in 83, I raced amateur day and I was watching because I thought I was going to be out there one day. Um, in 78, I was a caution flagger. Oh, nice. Probably nice. the youngest supercross <laughs> caution flagger in history. Yeah, maybe. But, uh, hey, when your dad's the promoter and says, go flag in that corner, you go flag in that corner. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Why did I think RFK? Am I just drunk? What? what that did, I, Well, RFK was in Philly, and uh, okay. JFK was no I'm, i take it back rfk was in yeah, dc i thought that was uh, uh no that okay. was that was not dad's all right okay. but, but, but that, that goes back to that regional uh respect there used to be mm-hmm. you, know, you let that guy have that area and you took that area and our area was pennsylvania right um but but that model could only sustain itself for so long before people started overlapping yeah and that's what happened with goodwin and thompson right right yeah that's a whole nother thing uh, uh that's a crazy story there's no doubt about it and and all the ins and outs, and Mickey Thompson's sister was a lead prosecutor for Orange County. And oh man, that well, is... she wasn't a lead prosecutor. Oh. She was she was a she was a power broker, uh, and and she was a, a, a local politician to some degree. Yeah. And she had a deep seated grudge crusade. Loved her brother dearly, and yeah. and wanted to see justice done, uh, and and never gave up until she got what she wanted. Um. Going through these Supercross seasons and just looking at the uh, the racing itself, uh, Wygant and I were, were battling battling this back and forth on IM one day when we were talking about this this article. Was the, do you have a favorite year? Do you have a year that still um, stands out for you? Like we, love- I really liked '86 because I was a big fan of David Bailey's, mm-hmm. but I was also a big fan of Ricky Johnson. Right, and uh, it was cool. And at that point, I decided, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in college. Those, <laughs> those handful of supercrosses I did in '85 on a KTM were, were, on a KTM. Yeah, on a KTM. They were a lot of fun. I enjoyed them immensely. I got to race in Europe, but that was the short game. I I, I knew that that I, I guys like Ronnie Lachine and Eddie Warren and mm-hmm. and uh, a young Jeff Stanton, and Donnie Schmidt. Those, those guys were on their way, and they just went right past me. And uh, I I. I think I was lucky to realize that and not bang my head against the wall for a few more years. Right. Um, but, but so 86 is the first year where I didn't watch it thinking, yeah. uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm, would I be able to do that? Can I do that? I mean, right. how am I going to approach this? I, I just watched it as a fan. And, and that's, I think really, that was mm-hmm. sort of one of those tipping points for the sport in general, because the influence of supercross, I believe it finally sort of become organic in the sense that it wasn't a motocross track anymore. It was a supercross track. Yep. And those guys yep. were really technically unbelievably better than they were just a few years earlier. And it was it was awesome to watch. And then um, I, re- I remember, uh, uh, oh, I guess probably Emig in 97. Mm-hmm. was It was wildly interesting to watch because Jeremy was so good for so long. And to, to, you know, all the yeah. drama with him leaving Honda, like on December 31st and then showing up on January 13th at the Suzuki and at, uh, mm-hmm. you know, at, at the LA Coliseum, that was, you know, a wild season and, and, uh, you know, it ending with Doug Henry winning in Vegas. Yeah. I, I thought that was really cool. 
Yeah, I and, I, um, I like uh, I thought ninety was uh, really good too because you had Osho and Johnson and Wardy still good, still up, but on the end, and you had Damon and Larry Ward and Chicken, Larocco, a bunch of kids coming in, and it was a, like a perfect mix. I just I, yeah, and 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 you know we always talk about Anaheim '86 as the the greatest Supercross of all time, and I, I think for a lot of symbolic reasons it was. But the best Supercross race I ever saw was Atlanta in 1990. Yeah. And uh, I was the cycle news reporter. And, uh, you know, it could have gone Bale's way, Cooper's way, Johnson's way, Kodrowski's way, Bradshaw's way. <laughs> yeah. And ultimately, in the end, Wardy yeah. just right place, right time, boom, triple fist pump, game over. <laughs> uh, hey, talking about being – and you're going through cycle news to do these articles, a lot of them, and, and some of your dad's filing cabinets and some of your own memories and everything else – but I'm always curious. So you're working for Cycle News, right? You're doing the race reports from the Supercrosses, like I yeah I I was I was writing for Cycle News. I was driving myself to the races, and that was before I got lucky enough to to get the the TV gig. Um, I uh, I would you know get Farber and Brozick and you know right. whatever kid in the neighborhood wanted to go, and we'd drive to okay. Atlanta, or we'd drive to Pontiac. So here's my uh, question sometimes for Sometimes I'd, I'd I'd fly out to you know. Anaheim, yeah, you know, on on People's Express. <laughs> here's here's the here's my question for you. So it came out Tuesday. When did Cycle News come out? I'm a Canadian, so I don't remember. It came, it came out Monday. Came out. Monday. Okay. So you after the race, how did you do a story? Get quotes, get photos if you were shooting photos back then, which maybe you were, and get it to Cycle News on the West Coast. How did that work? Well, there's no well, email. Well, first of all, it, it, it worked because of a thing called Delta Dash. Okay. Um, in those pre-FedEx days when something like, absolutely positively had to get there, okay. if you went to an airport and, and bought a package, a, like a, and it looks like an overnight bag or sometimes it would be a pouch, at Delta, you could put four rolls of film in it on a Sunday, and it would land in LAX or Long Beach, where Cycle News was, on Sunday night. They would process it in their dark room there, whether it's on Cherry Avenue or when they moved mm-hmm. down to Costa uh, Mesa. Uh, they would process it for you. They would pick the photos. They would write the captions. And then I would go find uh, – I'd either take a typewriter or, or uh, <laughs> take a find a Kinko's or something <laughs> like that, type it out, and then, you know, uh, fax uh. it. That's hilarious. Take, take a typewriter, and there you are in the press box typing this I thing did. out. I, I covered Florida Winterham Series on my own typewriter. Oh. Um, but, but, you know, I was just doing what, what guys like, you know, Jim Gianassis and Charlie Moray and Jody mm-hmm. and, and, Kit, and, of and course, Kit, Kit Palmer, Kit Palmer yeah. Paul yeah. Carruthers, uh, Terry Pratt. You know, I, those guys who were in-house at Cycle News have taught, you know, more people – uh, more magazine editors, including myself, how to uh, be a journalist than, than anyone in the history of motorcycling. And and that's why you see me shamelessly plug Cycle News uh, and refer to them and what they were doing because it really was the Bible, and it was all we had. Yeah. Uh, there, there wasn't instant TV coverage. There wasn't social media. There wasn't... Um, you know the Vital MX report and the RacerX online report and the Transworld MX report and the yeah. you know motocross action report and yeah. the Cycle News report. There was just Cycle News. <laughs> it's just a, and, a crazy um, time. Like 
you know, going to the airport and putting rolls of film in and typing this thing out. And yeah. Yeah. And if you'd let me name more, eventually I'd have gotten to pulp MX. No. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I just, I think back to like Kit Palmer and guys like you doing it. And I'm like, how'd they do it? How do they get quotes and, and, and get a typewriter and they got a little typewriter? Well, you know, you had to, you had to, you know, Eric Johnson and I, um, you know, the, the, and it's sad to say, but the 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 night in, in uh, August of 1998, when my dad passed away, I didn't I didn't realize it, but I was I was at Washougal, and um, I wrote the 125 class story, and Eric wrote the 250 class story, and we did it in a hotel room till three o'clock in the morning, uh, hit send, and I got on a plane at six in the morning, flew to Loretta Lynn's. When I landed, I found out, and um, you know it. it Mm-hmm. You, you back then, and that was in '98. I mean, you yeah. just made do, however you needed to. Uh, Don Maeda, Ken Fott, uh, all of us, you know, kind of came up through that 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 yeah. school of uh, of the the Clayton Foundation or the Clayton School of Journalism, I right. guess. And um, I'm, I'm glad that I'm still here, and I'm glad Cycle News is still here. It's pretty amazing. I don't know if you ever, you know, I gotta maybe look back. I don't know if you are. Apologies to to Don at Transworld and, and, and MXA and all those guys. But I mean, I, I and obviously this is a Racer X podcast, and I work for Racer X. But I do think we're race, we're, we're all in this together. I, <laughs> I yeah. do think I, Racer I never X, have a okay. problem mentioning. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think we're competitors. I think we're 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 we're, we're just trying to outdo each other, and that. Rising tide raises all the boats, don't it? I think so. Do you look at the magazine and the website and think, God, we just, this newspaper's really grown. <laughs> this newspaper thing really worked. <laughs> Do you ever stand back and think about that? Because uh, the newspaper was good. The newspaper was epic. You should go back to that. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and, and we joked around about that one time. We were just going to put out a newspaper, you know, for the heck of it. Right. Um, but there's, there's, there's not enough time, and I, I, I you know, <clears throat> I think that, you know, whether you're a supercross promoter, a supercross rider, a supercross photographer, or a supercross journalist, or a monster girl, you know, <laughs> things evolve. You, 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 the do. rules change, and there, there are tools out there and, and, and things that you need to do. And, um, yeah, it's great to have so much more time than I did when I was driving to airports and processing film and typing stories and, you know, all that, but... Uh, but now you have, you don't have just that one base to cover. You've got seven bases to cover. You have to do your magazine story, your online report, your Facebook stuff, mm-hmm. your Instagram stuff, your Twitter stuff, your, you know, it, it just goes on and on. And, and, uh, it's, it's part of, you know, I, I like to think that a magazine is no longer just that, you know, 200 pages in a, a couple staples. Mm-hmm. It's that 200 pages in a couple staples and the online, you know, weaponry mm-hmm. and the, the the social media and, you know, the, the racer TV stuff and the TV shows and all that stuff. We, we have to do all of it. I mean, here we are. I mean, I didn't know what a podcast was until you started doing them. <laughs> right, right, it, yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's another. You, you learn and you, 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 you evolve. Yeah. Um, all right, switch. The, the Diana Dahlgren of 19... 19- 95 did not look like the Diana Dahlgren of 2005, and it sure as hell doesn't look like the real Diana. No, but can we get Stanton tongue-kissing the trophy girl again? Can, 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 can we get those days back? Because those are pretty good. Yeah, uh, uh, 
Um, yeah, those were the days. <laughs> those were the days. Uh, six times, just going in. Um, uh, back to another topic here. Uh, Jeremy McGrath, a guy that we know uh, uh, well, uh, one of the greatest, well, the greatest supercrosser of all time. I, I switched the, the. I know. Uh, switch, switch to super, switch to Kawasaki. Uh, Honda's doing a little bit of switch with their R and D, and I imagine that uh, his contract was up. And, and next thing you know, he's on a Kawasaki now. The funny thing is, 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 and, and we're dating ourselves here a bit. I read his Instagram comments from different people, and people are like, "So weird to see him on a Kawasaki." And wh- why is he on a Kawasaki? And 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 you know this and that. And there's some fans out there that don't remember. That's how I remember him. And certainly you do too. He was a teen green kid. That was where he was coming from, you know. So yeah, yeah he was. He, um, I, I remember the the first time I met Jeremy. Um, I was pounding in stakes. It was 1990. The first time I can remember. Yeah, you know, meet him. And uh, he came walking up the hill out of the off camera at High Point with Gary Senex, and it was I think it was on Friday. Or maybe a Saturday. No, it was Friday because it was amateur day was going on, mm-hmm. and they used to do qualifying on Saturday. Um, he comes walking up the hill, and, and I see Gary. You know, and Gary's from Ohio, and I've known him my whole life. And mm-hmm. we start chatting, and, and uh, you know, and I'm like, "Well, I got to finish this." And, and this this kid, you know, kind of pudgy cheeks and short hair, grabs stakes and, and walks around with me and Gary as we talk for like honestly, it was it was a good half hour. Oh wow! Yeah. And he finally introduced <laughs> me and said, "This is Jeremy McGrath." I'm like, "Oh my God, you won! You won that!" Vegas Supercross on the yeah. on the KX125 a few weeks ago, and he said, "Yeah, yeah," and I was like, "Wow, that's exciting!" <laughs> yeah, you know, that's all I knew what to say. You're like, "I'm pounding stakes." <laughs> yeah, so so you know, but I think that the the, the fact that he's back with Kawasaki, man, the, the guy's looking for you know a, 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 a way to use you know the bottomless you know reservoir of knowledge and, 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 and technique and, 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 you know, craftsmanship that mm-hmm. he has, just like Ezra's doing, just like Timmy Ferry's doing, just like Robbie Raynard's doing, just like Johnny O's doing, just mm-hmm. like Ricky's doing. You know, when you have, you know, that, 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 that knowledge and that, 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 uh, heretofore to, to, to give it to someone, why not? And if Kawasaki had a place for Jeremy to help the kids that he used to be, 30 years ago, a team green amateur. Uh, I think that's a wonderful deal. And, and, and you know, yeah. obviously he knows how to uh, still test. He, he, he also came out of Mitch Payton's team and mm-hmm. uh, now he can have influence there. So I, I know he spent most of his career on a Honda, then a Yamaha, and then two weeks on a KTM and right. that lost season on a Suzuki. But he was also on a Kawasaki for a while. Yeah, for a long time. So that's kind of cool to see. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You know, he's going to work with Team Green Kids, too. So it'll be interesting to see if, if he really, you know, can help. Obviously, he can. Yeah, and sure. I, I think that right now, uh, I think Mitch Payton's guys could use uh, uh, that sort of additional help because I think that the game has changed mm-hmm. in the last few years. And in and, 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 and that regard, Steve, I think that Mitch uh, and the whole Monster Energy Pro Circuit Kawasaki program have become a victim of their own success. Because the guys at, at Geico Honda know how to do it too, yeah. and the guys at Troy Lee KTM know how to do it too, and the guys at Rockstar uh, KTM, you know, they or Rockstar Husqvarna, sorry, mm-hmm. um, all these other teams have learned. You know, they've taken the 
pages out of Mitch's playbook that worked for them. And, uh, I mean, no one could have seen Star Racing coming this year. Right. Uh, with the bike they brought, the athletes they brought, the, the, the presentation they brought, you know, the, those guys are players now. And I think that Mitch needs to, to, you know, broaden his base a little bit. And this is a good way to do it. I mean, no one's going to be able to tell Mitch how better to build a bike than, than the mm-hmm. crew he has, but maybe riding the bike is, is something where they could, they could use, uh, I mean, who couldn't use Jeremy McGrath? Right, right. I was Ken Roxton. I'd be like, Jeremy, tell me something. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Hey, I want to talk to you about the outdoors also, but let's take a commercial break here first on the uh, BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Listen to this race tech commercial to save yourself some money, and uh, we'll be right back with Davey Coombs and uh, more bench racing topics. BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Hey, I want to talk about privateers and what they choose for suspension. Yeah, that's right. Some of the top privateers, most of the top privateers out there, choose Racetech. Long been supporting the world's fastest privateer since 1984. Michael Lieb, Vince Freeze, Chris Blows, Cody Gilmore, and many other guys uh, choose uh, Racetech suspension. And they've been around a long time. And their their work stands for itself. Don't forget, people, at least uh, change your oil in your new bike. Use Racetech to do it. Some of that stock oil isn't that good. Uh, Racetech's the world's largest aftermarket motorcycle suspension modification company. 30 years they've been supplying racers, riders, and tuners with the industry's best suspension products. Paul Thie, the owner of Racetech, one of the smartest guys out there, and uh, the creators of the do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Racetech.com for a full listing of suspension parts, tools, and information. Racetech. Go there. Make your bike handle better. Do it. Racetech.com. Thanks for listening. All right, we're back here on the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. We really didn't go anywhere, Davey. We just were quiet for a couple seconds. But uh, <laughs> I was going to say, that's a, is that one of those subliminal radio ads? Right, right. Um, <laughs> hey, so six years it's been since MX Sports – uh, uh, got the outdoors uh, from DMG to uh, to run the outdoor national series, and I guess we can look back now a little bit. Six years is enough time. Uh, more work than you thought, <laughs> less work than you thought. Thoughts on just running the nationals now? Obviously, your family and you have been a part of the AMA Motocross series for a long, long time with different tracks and running different tracks, and and now you guys are the uh, uh, the sole uh, promoters of these things. And and so, what do you think? What's well, well, well. First of all, that's 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 the the, the popular misconception. We're 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 not doing it alone. We 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 uh, we took on the responsibility of managing it all. Mm-hmm. There's still some amazing individual event promoters out there that are running their events. You know, with with Redbud and Washugo and yeah, you know, no. Spring I, I Creek and, right. and of course Glen Helen and Hangtown and uh, they they they. You know, we just kind of bring the series mm-hmm. and deal with the day-to-day aspects of it, and then we have a very, very good partner in NBC, uh, which which helps with the things that, that are kind of outside of my uh, expertise, like you know, dealing with you know corporate sponsorship, dealing with uh, the television. Uh, you know, the easy part about television is is getting a television deal. The hard part is actually getting the race 
through the cameras and the TV yeah. truck and up to the satellite and down to the, down the, into someone's TV. That's the hard part. Um, <laughs> and they do all that. Uh, and, and, and what we do is, uh, we gave the series, uh, a makeover of sorts, um, mm-hmm. tried out some new things, uh, some that were very positive and some that didn't go over so well. And, uh, here we are six years later and, uh, um, I like to think that, that uh, you know, so far so good. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of work. Um, but man, I, when I'm not working on the magazine and I'm not working, you know, uh, online, I'm working on the nationals. Yeah. That's, no. that's a pretty good day at work. I can tell you've been busier with these nationals. There's no doubt. Uh, not as many emails. I, I have been, but, but, yeah. but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky that the, that the people, uh, you know, on, 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 you know, with, with Racer X and all the things we do on the, the publishing side have been in, incredibly helpful and in, in picking up slack here and there and doing different things. And, mm-hmm. you know, no one in our little world does just one thing. Yeah. Um, you have to do a lot of things. You know, you're probably going to hang up in this podcast and, and, you know, do six other things before, you know, it gets to be dinner time. Yeah. Because that's what you have to do. Uh, to 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 participate in the motorcycle industry as it stands today, and so you know my my second job became the nationals, and uh, I'm okay with that. I, I'd rather do that than than do that TV uh, job that I had for a while because that was actually, you know, after a while it got to be kind of kind of tiresome. I mean, how many times can you say? Ricky, how does it feel to win? <laughs> how is it tonight? Uh, how's the bike working? Um, yeah. Uh, what's been the biggest surprise for you in six years? What's been something maybe that you've had to deal um, with? You know, it's, 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 it's uh, the biggest surprise to me is the fact that I think a lot of people wanted to see uh, change in the nationals, mm-hmm. whether it was the, the athletes or the industry. And uh, I, I like to think that, that um, they see that, that, that not only are we – um, able to to take suggestions and, and 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 admit our mistakes, but we're we're also willing to do the work. Uh, and 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 the satisfaction that people get out of that shows me that that no one was trying to get out of motocross, uh, but motocross needed to get you know, yeah, it needed to become a better platform for for the people who you know spend a year getting ready to do these races, whether it's you know the engineers in Japan, or the, the the technicians technicians in the shop, the riders, the trainers. You know, the, there's there's a lot of work that goes into the people who actually do the racing, mm-hmm. and um, you know they 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 see that reciprocated. I think, and that's been a pleasant surprise that, that it's noticeable. Like, you know, it, it it's I and I, and I'll say I mean I, I grew up picking garbage. I mean. I, I'm, I'm okay with any bit of hard work or whatever. Yeah. We all are. Um, but it's nice to, to, to be able to like really have a little bit of influence on something and, and, and see it yeah. turn out correctly. Well, well, I think I don't think it's a, uh, a coincidence. And, again, I, the, the, let's keep it in mind that, you know, I, I work for RacerX and this is on RacerX and all that. But I don't think it's a coincidence that since MX Sports has taken over the Nationals, we don't have three, four, five top riders Supercross-only contracts anymore. Because you've given the well, that platform, was goal. that was a, you know? that was a goal from the beginning, you know, to to get that turned around, and and uh, that's why you know I'll always 
I believe I believe we, meaning you know, Lucas Oil Pro Motocross, mm-hmm. will always owe a debt of gratitude to Chad Reed. Uh, in 2009, uh, he showed up, you know, and, <laughs> right, and, and that right. was a really pivotal year for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Wyndham was not doing outdoors. James wasn't doing the outdoors. Uh, Larocco had, you know, finished his last few years without doing the outdoors. It, it was it was a, a tough. Uh, uh, it was a tough sell back then, and and I sat down with Chad and told him some of the things we had planned, and I asked him, and I asked James, and I asked various guys, you know, what did they want to see, what did they want to mm-hmm. do, and you know, Chad rolled his sleeves up and said, I think you need to do this, this, and this, and and um, when he showed up, and and, and I knew it was time we we did those things, and we we've we've tried very hard uh, to be. Um, uh, what's the right word I'm looking for? Um, Accessible? You know, we, we just try to do what's best for the general well-being mm-hmm. of the paddock, of the promoters, of the fans. And, and sometimes those things are counterintuitive. Some fans you know, hate the banners, but they love the other 11 races that they get to see on live TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, that's, that's a balance. <laughs> you, have yeah, to, yeah, no. you have to work through it. Believe I, me, I, I have a lot, a lot of empathy for, for anyone who... who takes on an organizational role. I mean, whether you're, you know, Bob Moore and Jimmy Button at Road to Recovery or, or, or the, the people at Feld Motorsports, which have the biggest job of all. Um, organizing people in this industry is like herding cats with little <laughs> tiny motors. <laughs> uh, big news, WPS on board as the uh, title sponsor, or one of the title sponsors for the uh, MX Sports uh, Lucas Oil. Nationals. Yeah, that, that, that's that's a, that's a change. You know that 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 just uh, came down, and uh, you know, uh, on the one hand, it's a fantastic development. It's, it's great to have uh, a partner uh, step up like that, but it's also bittersweet because we had a very long and and very uh, uh, you know good mm-hmm. working relationship and business relationship with. Uh, Four Parts Unlimited. They did amazing things for the American motorcycle industry. That they continue to. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, Hilton's. You know, lives a mile down the road. I mean, I could look out the window and only see his house from here. Hilton Beatty, and let alone with Jeff Fox and Fred Fox and and all the people in Janesville uh, helped do over the years. But you know, twenty years is a, a nice long run for yeah. for a sponsor and uh, certainly for a promoter. And I'm I'm we're all grateful for that and. Uh, you know, they're not going anywhere. They're, they're, they're going to, you know, work more with their athletes, work more obviously with Supercross and, mm-hmm. and, uh, they'll be there on Saturdays just like everyone else. And that's as far as, you know, things go fly, uh, you know, that's, you know, they've been there, they've been growing, they've been working, they support a lot of the athletes, they do a lot of good things. And, uh, I can't wait to see, you know, how it's different, but, um, I think that, uh, it just speaks to, you know the 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 general mm-hmm. uh, positioning of of the outdoors and and Lucas Oil Pro Motocross that you know, we we're we're having uh, a lot of people want to get involved and it's a good problem to have. Yeah, no doubt about it. Do you get tired? I don't. Not tired is the wrong word. Do you get frustrated? I'm tired of this. I'm tired. I'm tired of this podcast. No. Honestly. <laughs> okay. All right. You can wrap it up <laughs> soon. Um, no. uh, do you get? Uh, you know, look any any time like. I've always said this. I, I think you should. I don't think you should post on Vital MX. 
I don't think Roger yeah, Goodell. You know I, I learned a valuable lesson with that recently, and I, I don't want to oh, go did into you? it. Okay, I don't even know anything about I, it. I but. think that, I think that sometimes uh, people mistake my uh, opinion, my personal opinion, as DC on vital uh, with. Uh, I know a yeah. company policy or, 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 or an official statement. People don't understand that and, you're a fan. You know, we, you're into this. You're a fan. That's where you're posting it. I am a fan. I, 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 I watch every race. I read every magazine. <laughs> I, I, right. I'm, nothing's changed. I just I happen to get one magazine for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I was going to say, does it get um, does it get tiring? Because not ty- maybe tiring is the wrong word. Like I said, but does it get frustrating when you? You just congratulate somebody on something, or you you weigh in with an opinion as as an enthusiast, Davey Coombs, and 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 honestly, you can't win. Sometimes I'm like, oh, these people. No, are, you, know? no you you can't. But 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 you know, you have to learn how that exchange works. Yeah. I mean, whether you're you're uh, you know Ryan Villapoto or 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 James Stewart mm-hmm. or or you know me or or you know Eddie Casillas or anyone who. You know, reads their stuff online and then and then wants to react to it. You know, you you, you have to go with thicker skin, and, yeah. and you you see a lot of people do that. And and uh, I I truly believe that there is a a, a a valuable seat on the carousel or whatever for for you know Vital MX that forum, those mm-hmm. readers, the fans that that, that want to weigh in, and 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 I enjoy those exchanges. What 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 I don't enjoy though is when. When someone you know pulls something off vital and says, "Well, here's what MX Sports says." No, 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 no. That's yeah. That's, that's what, what I, I said yeah. in response to uh, someone who who, who right. said something. And you know, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, Steve. It started with you did a podcast, and and someone I, I didn't you know forgive me I didn't listen to it, but someone mm-hmm. uh, said that there was a failed drug test for HGH at one of the nationals, and I unequivocally. Uh, denied that and will continue to because it never happened. That yeah, never happened. I don't think we said uh, that. But I don't even know. It, it yeah. became a, a grass fire on Vital, and, and I was trying to sort of douse it and let people know that this is a very complicated thing involving you know, HIPAA rules, civil rights, USADA, mm-hmm. WADA, whatever. But no, that didn't happen. No, there's no grace period. No, there's none of that. Right. Um, uh, and so that was taken out of context uh, by someone else. And so I, I'll, I'll kind of keep that stuff probably well, in a smaller circle. I think, but I mean, I props still to weigh you. in and say, yeah. Hey, I, you know, I still like JT gate booters on Bailey better than on machine. <laughs> well, no, look, Hey, props to you for doing it. You're accessible. Fans can ask you questions. Uh, you're, you know, you're not going to admit it, but you're one of the the biggest power brokers in the sport. If there was some sort of power list that we did, you're one of them, and you're the only guy that's accessible to these fans. And so, props to you, but I wouldn't do it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I, I I appreciate that, but you know, I, I I don't really pattern myself off of a lot of people in the industry, but my dad was in this industry, and mm-hmm. he was a he he had a pretty good idea of you know, the tone and, and the way to do things. I am a fraction of that. My sister and I and my mom and my brother and everyone here, we all work together and we, we still don't add up to, to what he brought to the table. And, uh, and I'll get yelled at from, you know, my sister or my mom or something. <laughs> right. You got to get off vital or you, you shouldn't be talking about that stuff or yeah. whatever. But I'm like, you know, no, I, I, this is not, we're not the New York Times. This is not rocket scientists. <laughs> it is 
some kind this, of science, but it's not rocket science. This is you know, motocross. We should be able to talk about it. Right. And good. if we're not having fun doing it and we have to, you know, bury our heads in the sand or put up the walls, I'm not sure I'm interested in continuing to do that. Yeah. Um, but we're in a different position than some of the other people. We're not a giant, you know, corporation. Mm-hmm. We're not uh, a bike brand. We're not uh, an athlete with, you know, a million followers. And, you know, I, I, I think we all kind of, in this new information age, which isn't so new anymore, obviously, but we kind of got to find our place and, and our tone and our, our, our accessibility. And mine just happens to be, uh, a little more open than, you know, some of the other folks. And, and that's cause I'm lucky enough to, yeah. I don't have a boss. I, I have, yeah. I have a family. Right. Um, Hey, where, wherever you stand on this James Stewart, uh, thing, Water penalty, uh, I believe, and I said this on our pulp show, I believe it's sort of ridiculous it hasn't been announced yet. I mean, obviously, I don't know how much you can say or how much you want to say, but I can't believe it's taken I, this I long. Can, I, can say, I can say exactly what everyone else in America will say right now, whether you are the president of the AMA, the promoter of any series, the head of Suzuki, Yosh, Seven, yes. whatever. Right, anybody. It's ridiculous that something that happened on April 3rd of last year, well, or earlier this year, but yeah. literally eight months ago, right. is still in limbo. Um, we uh, made our point this summer that we thought that there had to be uh, due process. We thought that, that it was, um, you know, we're not a signator to the WADA code. We're a signator to the USADA code. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a big difference. Um, and, 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 you know, to, to prevent an athlete from having, from having the right to work when they still have a license, uh, to work, which is what your license is, makes it, you know, puts you in a tough spot. James was in a tough spot. Yeah. Uh, the, the part that I find ridiculous is that an NFL player tested positive for Adderall. Mm-hmm. Or what he says is Adderall. What he said, yeah. Last month, he's already on suspension, mm-hmm. four games, and then it'll be over, and then he'll be back. Yeah. And the time that that guy misses, he'll lose more money than than you know any fine will ever really point out. You know, maybe yeah. hundred thousand dollars a game, depending on what position you play. Uh, in James's case, I, I, I he has lost so much in this already. And, and and now that he has apparently the TUEs uh, to 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 raise yeah to, to, to let this go on is you know oh. I, I I feel bad for James I don't think he meant any harm I don't I don't think that uh, he took you know this drug to 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 necessarily have a performance advantage I think he took it because he he needed he it prescribed it for right. an actual uh, you know. Yeah, that's a that's a whole other that's a whole other deal on what you think of that. I just feel bad for Mike Webb and James and right now that we're still in limbo. I can't believe it. Anaheim's three weeks away. I it's, agree, it's and, and I and I and I'm sure that the the people uh, that that organize Monster Energy Supercross feel the same way. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that the competition that James yeah. does or doesn't have to race feel the same way. Right. And and every time I I see you know one of James's you know Instagram videos or or uh, shots him riding and stuff, I just think. Man, I, I can't believe that this is still lingering. Yeah. It, it's it's you know it's it's like come on, man. You, are you gonna are you gonna fish? Or are you gonna cut bait? Right. It's, it's, right. It, we're almost there. 
Um, and I, I think, I think it's, I think it's especially bad for Suzuki, mm-hmm. who, who could not have seen this coming, and could not have seen this still not finished eight months after the fact. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last topic uh, before I let you go, and um, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, as a guy who's got a big appreciation, we talked about Brad Lackey earlier, and a guy who's always had appreciation for the Grand Prix and the history of them and the the Americans going over and racing. Uh, I don't know if you heard, but Ryan Villapoto's going. <laughs> um, <laughs> big news, kind of big news. I, I mean, I just think he was burnt out of what was going on here and the the, t- the two seasons and the nonstop, and I think he had one year left on his deal, and he decided to do it. But regardless, it's going to be an interesting year, man, to have him. Oh, go I, I, I think it's, it's you know the, the you know you and I and every guy who works in the paddock and every guy who's you know probably worked on his team uh, knew that, that that he was you know pretty ground down at the end of Supercross. Mm-hmm. Uh, that didn't stop him from going out and leading the last eighty laps and winning <laughs> the last four main events. Yeah. And, you know, just putting a general ass whipping on everyone at the end. Uh, but he was done. And, and that, that back and forth that everyone had, is he or isn't he? Will he or won't he? Is he does he have a knee injury? Um, you know, he did. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. But I think that this whole thing was wrapped up in much, much more. And for evidence of that, go back and look in December of last year and see how many fun riding videos of, of Ryan that you saw. Mm-hmm. You know, he he put that one up of him at Zaka Station. It made me want to go ride. It, it wasn't <laughs> right, it right. wasn't the grind of the Supercross track and testing and and all that. I mean, he he looks like he genuinely enjoys riding a motorcycle again, and I don't know that he's had that mm-hmm. uh, for a couple of years. I I I really <laughs> thought that the the initial talk about going to Europe was was uh, you know him kidding or oh, you know him fishing. Yeah. Uh, but when it came to when it came to fruition, I was like, wow, well, that that is big news. To I, be I, fair though, Davey, how many times do you hear uh, this guy's going to Europe next year, and it all turns out to never, never, ever be true? Um, well, you know, you know. But, but, but I I think that the people in Europe, uh, whether it's the journalists or the fans, uh, I understand that because they're probably tired of twenty five years of seeing yeah, all their good guys yeah, exactly. Come over here. I mean, not all what? of them, but most you know, of yeah. the, the lion's what? the lion's share. Everett's and it's, it's and... even out now, and 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 I I do have a take on this. You know, uh, I think it's great that Ryan's still racing. I will get the MXGP hyphen TV dot com package and mm-hmm. probably watch every race. Uh, yeah. But I watched them all last year too, and the year before. I'm a fan. I, I yeah, the fact yeah. that we're going to see Ryan Villapoto race again. For, for you know seventeen eighteen GPs bonus um, his time here in America may be done or maybe it'll relight his fire but uh, I imagine this will be it I imagine he's you know my yeah. personal opinion he, he raced his last national in 2013 he raced his last supercross in 2014 and he'll probably race his last dirt bike race in 2015 yeah um, I hope it's the monster cup so uh, the the people that really helped to build his star, uh, get a chance to participate in this farewell. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I mean that sincerely. Uh, but, uh, you know, if he does uh, the designations, awesome. If he does Glen Helen, you know, if he's there for the last GP, awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be there. I'll be watching. I'll be cheering for the guy. Sure opens up. Like, I mean, sure opens up great racing over here, too. 
I mean, let's face it, outdoors well, they, they, he was they, so they, good. They, you know, I, I don't think you see a lot of people gnashing, you know, their their hands and being like, "Oh darn, <laughs> Ryan's not coming back." I, I think that there was a real uh, great storyline developing with going after that fifth title, which is something that Jeremy never did. It's something Ricky never did. Yep. Uh, in in succession. Um, but, but, you know, it just wasn't right for, for RV. It wasn't right for his wife. And, and, uh, he, he decided to, to, you know, seek a different adventure. And, uh, he's in a great position, uh, with the support of monster in Kawasaki in Japan to have the ability to, to do that. Most guys don't get to, to choose their exit. And, uh, I'm reminded of that with all these, you know, years of supercross and you mm-hmm. see guys who, you know, are out there banging the drum slowly, you know, Mark Barnett, well past his prime, David Bailey, bef- right at his prime, yeah. you know, the, yeah. you, you don't often get a chance to, 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 to chart that out like this. So, so, um, I'll be watching, I'll be stoked. I, I, I think that the, uh, the whole Caroli, uh, Villapoto battle though, man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't count out Gautier Pollen or Clement Assal just yet. And I, I don't I mean that in full respect to Tony right. and Ryan, but, but those guys are good. Right. And if they stay healthy, which neither has done mm-hmm. much of in the last few years, uh I think that the the pressure and the the duel that'll be number two versus number two twenty two uh will open up uh some opportunities for Paulan and and uh, and Desal, so. Well, you know who. But, pa- but here's what I wanted to tell okay. you. I I I got one thing I learned in in retrospect doing this history of Supercross thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there were only ten Supercross races in 1988, but obviously Supercross had changed its complexion from from the early 80s. And if you think about it, we were most dominant. As far as designations goes, uh, 86, 87, 88, you know, right around that time with RJ and Wardy, mm-hmm. uh, Bailey in 86, uh, Lachine after that, um, Hannah. Uh, but back then, Supercross wasn't as specialized as it was. And I think that it made all of our guys better motocross riders. If you watch those films that I'm linking to, Mm-hmm. They look like motocross tracks. Mm-hmm. There's flat corners. There's berms. There's ruts. Yeah. Uh, the jumps. You know, you, it, it, it's not vertical racing like we have now. It's a lot of on the ground stuff, and that's starting to change. As you know, today I'm we're at 1989, and um, you can see. You know, as Roy Jansen said, we knew how to build a takeoff jump in the 70s, but we didn't learn how to build a landing jump until the mid 80s. And when they did that, that's when you started getting the big combinations and stuff. And uh, I think that I would be comfortable on a debate panel saying that the influence of Supercross, which is higher than motocross in America, mm-hmm. no doubt. And the fact that there's almost zero Supercross in Europe is why I think we've seen this balance, so to speak, as far as you know, the really fast guys in motocross in Europe and the really fast guys in motocross in America, mm-hmm. I, I think that we lost the designations this year because of bad luck and first turn crashes. But the dominance is no longer there outdoors. Yeah, uh, 
you can't have a supercross designation. It's just it's just not going to happen. That'd be pretty good though. Uh, I'd like to no see that. One, no one would line up. Uh, <laughs> right. But um, you know, then again, we were out of our elements in the sand and in Lomo. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that that there's this 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 gradual shift that you can start to see when you're watching those videos. You know, GT Motocross hasn't changed all that much uh, from back in the day. They still mm-hmm. don't have you know really. Uh, difficult jump combinations. It's really rough. It's really fast. Right. Um, but our stuff has changed. Yep. And, and three-fifths of our guys' years are spent indoors now. And um, that's got to have an effect on their pure outdoor speed. And uh, That's true. Yeah, you got a point. I just, no, I yeah. just noticed that in, in going through this yeah. and thinking, wow, if you look at a video from 1982 and juxtapose that with 1990, yeah, it's like two different worlds. Yeah. Uh, actually, I lied. One last question. I don't even know if you read this on the on the on your own website, but I I know you're a fan of JMB, and I and um, I see him every year over there, and he comes over once in a while. But so I interviewed him at Lille, uh, and I said to him, "Give me your favorite Davy Coombs memory." Oh, I did. See that. Oh, did you see that? Uh, about the ride, driving the car through the airport or through the yeah. So he, after he te- up the airport. He tells me the first time he was ever in America. You and your sister picked them up. I just thought that was so funny. Yeah, it, it was it was the it was the eighty seven one twenty five Grand Prix, and right. I'd actually seen him race in eighty six in Kalinchi, Northern Ireland, and uh, I was like, man, that guy's unbelievable. Um, and uh, so my dad was the promoter of that GP. Okay, but he was sick. He, so he, he, he had a he had a heart issue that okay. summer. And so my sister and I kind of became the de facto promoters because my brother was still racing. Mm-hmm. And we had to go to the airport and pick him up. Go pick no up. one said that he was bringing, like, wheels and suspension <laughs> and his brother. And so, you know, the, the, he, he comes off the airplane. Back then, you could go to the gate. Right. And uh, he's he, – so, anyway, Carrie had a little used Mustang convertible. <laughs> and we had to fill up the trunk and tie it down. And then him and his brother were sitting in the back seat. Sitting on their luggage, oh. like like head, yeah, yeah. like above the windshield, and drove them from there to, to Steel City. And if you remember, when you go through the tunnels in Pittsburgh, yeah. you're just looking at this mountain, and all of a sudden, it's when you come out of the city. tunnel, there's there's yeah. the city. Right, it's a it's a beautiful thing. And him and his brother just thought that was the coolest thing. And I, I just we, think that's we, so we, funny. We joke around about that still. He's 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 still my favorite guy of that era. I just think that's so funny that you picked up JMB at the airport. His first time ever in America. Go get him at the airport. I just <laughs> no Honda guys, well, we no nothing. Somewhere right. I was the I was the uh, once I graduated to from picking up garbage and caution right. flagging. In other words, once I got a driver's license, right, right. Uh, I was the chauffeur. Go pick up this French guy. He's got his brother, and go get him. And hey, go, hey. Steve, I knew exactly who he was, and I knew exactly who he was going to be. Yeah, and, uh, that's it true. It was cool to watch that play out over the years. Well, I got to say that when I asked him for a, a memory, I I would not have ever guessed that you picked that. That's so sorry. That's really <laughs> funny. I was laughing my ass off. But all right, uh, back to work for you. Davey Coombs, uh, RacerX Online Editor-in-Chief, thank you for doing this uh, candid uh, bench race podcast, btosports.com, RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Good times. Hey, no worries, and uh, thanks for having me on, and uh, see you guys at Anaheim. See you. Thanks. Bye. This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing. 
Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck because that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Go Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over five hundred more great motocross podcasts. The days and the months and the years go on.